0: cause I started with no money. Um, so I ended up using like private capital as well as like hard money loans and bank loans. So I would be $0 out of pocket for my flips and I would bank the money that I would make from a flip and I would invest it into a rental property. And I just kind of like kept doing that. So that way any money I made invest it right into, you know, a rental property and kind of like rinse and repeat for four years, five years.
1: You're listening to the Philly Proper Podcast. Meet the experts developing Philadelphia's real estate market right now. If you're looking for insights into the city's changing landscape, you're in the right place. Stay tuned to hear the personal stories and experiences of developers large and small. Be sure to join the Philly real estate community and visit phillyproper.com for project information, episode highlights, and more. Hello, and thanks for joining me today on the Philly Proper Podcast. Today's guest is Julia Choseed from Brick House Builders. Julia, welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, Julia, you are a contractor, but you're also multifaceted in the real estate industry here in Philadelphia, um, why don't you tell me how you got started or or what prompted you to get into the real estate market in general?
0: Sure. Yeah, I I always have trouble like to this day figuring out what my job title is. I feel <laughs> like really simply I could say investor and that would kind of encompass everything, but that doesn't really, you know, send the message to people listening what exactly I do. So, I purchase right. property, um, I renovate them, I sell a, and I'm a landlord. Um, I'm also a licensed general contractor. So what that looks like is I'm I'm purchasing the property and I'm personally developing the property. Um, I'm also a designer. So I do everything from start to finish myself, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't always my plan. So I, I've i always wanted to probably since, I'd say like 2000. Eight to 2010, I knew I wanted to get into real estate. I didn't exactly know what that looked like. I thought I was just going to be a realtor, and then mm-hmm. I started learning about um, the investing scene, and you know, started studying like finance and reading books like Rich Dad Poor Dad and things like that. And I really started to, um, you know, get interested in the invest investing aspect. So I bought my first property, which. You know, of course, wasn't as I had originally planned either. I wanted to get like a triplex or a quad and live in one unit and rent out the other
1: part. And <laughs> I just
0: couldn't find one. And I was so anxious to just quit my job that I hated and like get this thing started. So I fell in love with this single family home in strawberry mansion. And mm-hmm. it was like pretty much moving ready. Um, my brother helped me, you know, do a few minor things just to get it. Um, desirable for for roommates and sure. um, then shortly after that within a few months um, you know I wanted to you know buy and hold real estate okay. um, but <laughs> I really started to fall in love with the construction design and at that time like I was a hop and a skip from brewery town it's like just starting to really pop off. There was development popping up everywhere. Um, and I was really interested in getting involved in the development side. And by the end of that year, I had like three flips on, that I was working on and I had no idea what I was doing at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> um, after a year, I ended up um, becoming licensed and managing everything from start to finish. I did start with a partner for a short period of time who they had been kind of, like, taking the reins on the construction part, and I would kind of step in and help delegate and, like, learn, you know, some of the, like, the ins and outs of construction, but I also (laughs) got to really, you know, I had, like, good leadership and management skills, so with their knowledge of construction and me being able to, like, kind of run the show a little bit, Yep. you know, by the end of the first year, I was like, I can do this.
1: (laughs) So let's, uh, that's, that sounds fantastic. But I want to, if you, if you don't mind, I want to backtrack a little bit. Uh, So you, you've been doing this for almost five years and, and it seems like you've done a little bit of everything that goes into the process of actually, you know, developing, investing, contract design, all of it. Um, So, what were you doing before, and and are you uh, Philly-based? Is Philly home, initially? So, I actually came from
0: right over the bridge, like, South Jersey, Um, and
1: um, so... Jersey girl comes to Philly, <laughs> takes over Strawberry Mansion. Yeah, it's funny
0: because, like, my parents have been like, why don't you just do real estate here? And, like, I come from, like, the Pine Barrens outside of Atlantic City.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, like,
0: six years ago, Atlantic City was, like, not looking too hot. And, like, the right. Pine Barrens was, like, foreclosure, foreclosure, foreclosure everywhere you went. And like, it, and your parents it, are like, stay, like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I have very little background in, you know, construction or real estate. So I ended up going to college for um, human resource management and organizational leadership. Hey, why are so good at this? Oh, so what's <laughs> funny is like, yeah, right out of college. And like, I in college, I was, like, in the real estate club, and, like, you know, my parents just, like, were really worried about me, you know, getting into something. So, like, you know, this little girl going into this big, bad world, you know, right. and, like, so I just kept doing the next thing that would, like, I thought would, you know, be the better move, like, go to college, get the job, do all the things, and then, like, realized that I was so unhappy, and I had this, like, like, un, like quenchable thirst to just leave and do real estate. It was like, I was so obsessed. Like I couldn't talk about anything else. I couldn't listen to anything else, watch where anything that, else.
1: <laughs> where did all that, uh, I mean, I totally, that all resonates with me, but where <laughs> did you, uh, how did that start? Like for me, I grew up, I grew up and I, and I didn't have a home. Like my parents and I moved around a lot and I watched this old house and home improvement shows every chance I could get when I was mm-hmm. a kid and I was obsessed. Yep. Um, and then of course I started, you know, reading books about real estate and things like that. So I, that's sort of how I fell into it. But what prompted you or what inspired you? So yeah, I can
0: totally, me and my mom would just like, that was how like we bonded. Like we watched right. HGTV. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, all we did. Um, but I think what the really big thing was, um, was reading rich dad, poor dad. Um, you know, I had always had like an entrepreneur spirit. Like I started a photography business in 2010 and like, I wasn't, I knew that I wanted to be my own boss and I knew how, how important it was to invest And it just kind of like manifested into a combination of running a business while you're investing.
1: (laughs) Right. Right.
0: So yeah, that's, it just kind of like came together.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So were you doing photography right before you bought your first property or did you already transition into some sort of real estate capacity before even buying your first place?
0: So, I actually was working in the HR scene. So, mm-hmm. after I graduated college in 2015, I took some time off because I was, like, just dreading getting the job. So, I took some time <laughs> off. Right? I, like, traveled a lot and came back. And I was like, all right, here's to the rest of my life. Where did, I, <laughs> where did you go? Where did you travel? Um, I lived in Puerto Rico for a few months. I, like, traveled up and down the West Coast. Um, yeah, I yeah, I like it was just kind of hopping all around um yeah, staying I've never been to the West Coast. <laughs> really? Right?
1: That's what you do when you're young, right? Yeah. Thing. Just Yeah, and- I've, n- I've never been to the East Coast. I'm I'm a little afraid if I go, I uh won't, won't come, back. come back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say that that's a valid uh, assumption. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um where were we going with that? Um, yeah, well, so, so you, oh, I was you a head did hunter. your thing,
1: and then you sort of landed. Yeah, I was Philly. a headhunter.
0: So, ah. And, like, this job, like, it was, like, the cream puff job. So, like, for anyone that would want a job, this is the job. So, like, they gave you a phone. They gave you a laptop. You can work from home. They flew you out to Arizona four times a year for, like, a full-paid, like, team-building training thing. And, like, everyone was super relaxed. My boss was, like on the other side of the country. And like, it was great, as great as it can be. And I still hated it. (laughs) I'm like sitting at my laptop with like my one tab, like since I was a headhunter, I was always on LinkedIn. So I had like LinkedIn and then like 50 other like Redfin, Zillow, like all the real estate uh, tabs right next to it. And you could, I didn't have the best uh, work ethic I'd say. When it came to being a (laughs) headhunter.
1: I think that's part of being an entrepreneur too. It's like. If you work for somebody else. Chances are. You're not going to do as good of a job. Because you're still trying to work for yourself. Even Mm -hmm. if it's subconscious.
0: Yeah. My friend Nicole. always Says the term like. Um, unemployable. Yep, <laughs> I know? am also unemployable. <laughs> like with all the skills and talent and like work ethic in the world, I just can't devote it to anyone else but myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I, I approve of that. I think that's acceptable. So how did you how did you buy your first property? Did you buy it in cash? Did you get financing? Did you have a partner?
0: Um, so I bought it as a Owner-occupied residentials was one of those, like, sweet little, like, put 3% down. Um, And I I really didn't – I also did a seller assist. So Mm -hmm. I didn't need very much cash. And what I did before I got pre-approved is I cashed in my little baby 401K, which was, like, $4,000. And um, I think I took a cash advance on my only – on a credit card um for a few thousand dollars and I ended up bringing like seven thousand dollars to the table on this on this first home nice
1: I love the risk taking by the way <laughs> in the 401k charge it we'll yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah it was funny. how it's I like, started
1: my first business <laughs> yeah you just go all in you know <laughs> right that's the that's kind of how real estate is you don't really like dip your toe in a little bit but that's once you're doing it, it's it's pretty much all It's not you'll oh. never get you yeah. know
0: you'll never know enough to get started, so
1: you just kind of have to go right so yeah. all right, so you so you bought your first property, and then what? Um, so I bought my first property. it was funny. I
0: had, so it was a three bedroom home and I lived in like the smallest bedroom because I kind of like priced them like this bedroom's probably worth like 400 500 600 so I took the baby room so I could um, get the most out of the and I had it rented before I even closed all the house so like I had leases signed for, for like you know they were friends sure. Um, sure, and yeah I like lived in the place by myself for like two weeks and then um, these two people moved in and I, I literally went so I always like to break this down because um, it ends up being such a crazy big you know financial gap so I was renting a place for a thousand dollars before I bought this house so I was renting I was spending a thousand dollars and I went to living in this house and making three hundred dollars which is like a yeah. thirteen hundred dollar difference in income a month so now mm-hmm. it's like the money that I was spending for rent is now not an expense. And instead I'm like receiving money.
1: So right. so that was Yeah, like, and even from that, you're you're up to like twelve thousand dollars a year, right. roughly. Yeah, so and you can just reinvest it.
0: So I always thought of like the worst case scenario. So I'm like worst case mm-hmm. scenario, which like I didn't have really any other expenses except food and, like, my cell phone bill and insurance. So I was like, all right, worst-case scenario, I, like, might have to get a, like, part-time job or drive Uber, which I did for a little bit. Um, right. But worst-case scenario, like, I'm not homeless. So, like, yeah. <laughs> my home and other people pay my rent. So, like, worst-case scenario, I have a place to live. So, and then from there, that's when, um, that's when I got the next two properties under contract. So the game plan was always kind of, like, because I started with no money. Um, So I ended up using like private capital as well as like hard money loans and bank loans. So I would be $0 out of pocket for my flips and I would bank the money that I would make from a flip and I would invest it into a rental property. And I just kind of like kept doing that. So that way any money I made invest it right into, you know, a rental property and kind of like rinse and repeat for four years, five years.
1: Nice. So, what was it like becoming a landlord? Did you have you had any like? I mean, when you're house hacking and you're kind of living with your friends, I feel like that's such a thing that you know people in the city do. Mm-hmm. Um, not maybe maybe in the suburbs too, in apartments and things like that. But for sure in the city, people well into their 30s have roommates. It's just a common, you know, setup. So if you own the property and you're renting it out, it's kind of yeah you're a landlord and you have to take care of the property yourself but it's not like running around different properties and calling plumbers and things like that for multiple properties so how is it transitioning to your first rental property
0: um honestly it was like a lot of fun and like
1: (laughs) relatively easy and um we're just inspiring all the people listening right now to just (laughs)
0: this idea and I like tell this story because like I'm like such an entrepreneur enthusiast and like when people talk about like ideas that they have and then they follow it up with but my mom said but my friend said but my girlfriend said I'm like no you're like
1: <laughs> quit your job today <laughs>
0: So it's like well, I remember I was so excited to get into real estate. I like had everything planned out. I was I had my property under contract. I was getting ready to move to Philly, and like I was like shit, like really enthusiastically talking about how excited I was to move to Philly. And a family member that I was talking to was like, "Yeah, but like you have no idea how bad it is to be a landlord." Also, they were not a landlord.
1: <laughs> right? So that's,
0: like, my first, like, credit check when anyone tells you that you can't do something or you shouldn't do something. So it's like, hey, right. are you doing that thing? Okay. Mm-hmm. Didn't think so. <laughs> so that your right. advice isn't valid. So I got this. Ad- I-, I was told, you hey, don't want to be a landlord. You know, a nasty world out there. So I, like, had a- all this, like, fear around it. And I was like, yeah. okay, so... I've now been landlording for quite a few years. And even through a pandemic, all my tenants pay rent. Um, All of them are, like, friends and family to me, you know? Like, um, yeah, when I first rented, my first building was a triplex. Those same tenants are still there. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, and it's kind of, like, the most important thing when – you know, vetting tenants are, like, gauging who they are as a person. So mm-hmm. um, so doing that and also kind of, like, trying to get a gauge of, like, their, like, cleanliness or the way they take care of their things. So it's, like, peeking in their car <laughs> or, like, right. maybe it's, like, all right, well, I have the lease ready. Can I come to you at your place so we can sign it kind of, like, you know, see, you know, how they live and how they take care of their current place.
1: you ever walk into somebody's apartment and just change your mind completely and be like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work out. Right. No, I've had, <laughs> I've
0: had one that like still to this day makes me nervous, but hasn't had, hasn't been a problem, but <laughs> I like kind of broke a few of my rules cause they were like, um, I always offer, you know, if they're, if they're not, if they sign a lease and they're not moving in for a month, I'm like, hey, you know, it's a lot of money up front first, last security. put a deposit down, you know, in two weeks, put your second deposit down and pay the balance before you move in. Something like that. Just so it's not right. like, hey, you're paying all of this money all at once. And most of the time, people just pay it all at once anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But this one, this one person was like, okay, well, like, I won't have the money until I get paid. And then, like, they, like, b- were basically telling me that they live paycheck to paycheck, <laughs> Yeah, And I was like, but I really liked them and they were, and like my biggest, like my biggest thing with renting apartments is my tenants need to love the place. If they don't (laughs) love the place, I don't even want them there because they're going to be considering like already looking at new places. Like as soon as their lease is up, they're not going to be happy that like, I want someone who like walks in, wants to take care of it, really loves being there. Um, really wants to stay. Like long-term tenants are, you know, the goal because one, like, if you're turning over an apartment every single year, and you only make, let's say, like $500 a month on cash flow, and now you have to deal with vacancy, a turnover, which is like cleaning and painting and repairs, then like it is such a setback financially. Yeah, and it's a pain in the butt because now you have to lease it again and do all the showings, sign the lease. So I've actually never had to do a turnover yet. Knock on with. Like, so I remember this is I'll like end with this. I had someone who like came and looked at this apartment and they're like really hesitant. They walk in, they're like, yeah, it's like really small and like it's really far from work, but like I, I really need to find a place. And like they reached out later that night and they're like, yeah like, I want to move forward. And I'm like, yo, you don't even like, the place," <laughs> you know, so I didn't say Just that. Rush, like, or... yeah, like he, it was too small for him and it wasn't near his work. So right away, it's like, okay, he's not going to like, this isn't his desirable home. So, right. you know, I was like, Hey, sorry, I leased it, which like I did the next day.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Well, so how many rental properties do you have now? So I have
0: 16 units.
1: Nice. And are those, what's the breakdown? So I have a, so I have a three, I
0: have a triplex. I have two triplexes. I have a single family home. I have a five unit. I have another five unit and I live in one of them. So that's how I came to 16.
1: Now, have you have you bought uh, any of those under your like primary residence? Then
0: only one of them, so only that first single family home.
1: Okay, and yep. all the other ones. I know you said in the beginning when you bought your your next property that you used, I guess, like private financing or hard money. Can you tell me about that process a little bit right. and how it worked out for you?
0: Right. So. I'm buying these properties in an LLC. um, So that's why I'm not using like the owner occupied and they're always, I always buy properties that need Fulgert renovations. So um, the way I I had it set up, so um, I would use private money as a down payment to fund what would be either hard money or bank financing. So, What that looks like is um, I have, like, it's basically like friends or family type relationships of people who really believe in what I do, really believe in real estate, um, want to make a high return on their money, and they would Mm -hmm. give me enough to fund the down payment or more. Like, I've, I've structured it in so many different ways. I always just sit down with someone and see, you know, what works best for them, where their money is now, and how I can make it work better for them. And... Um, usually it's just like a set interest rate. So they give me the money. I put it into the LLC that is purchasing the property. And then I have the uh, like bank financing for construction. And then afterward, I refinance it or sell it and pull that money back out to pay back the private investor.
1: Nice. And do, have you partnered with anybody for any of the properties that you currently own?
0: So I've at- always part- had some kind of partnership um arrangement up until my most recent uh 5 unit purchase which yes. is like a really big deal I like used my own money and I like, <laughs> didn't have a partner I like felt like I finally like am breaking out into like the real world yeah there um, you go but like that's what that's kind of like you know what you have to do when you aren't starting with a lot of money so like right. you know people have this conception of like oh real estate is for people who have a lot of money it's like, no, it doesn't have to be. I literally started with $11,
1: <laughs>
0: but it does take some sacrifice. So like in the beginning I was like, oh, I don't want partnerships. I don't want this, but like, do I want to have a real estate portfolio? Do I want to do this thing? So like you kind of have to make a few sacrifices and like, um, I've had partners where they put up all of the money and handle the financing and I just handle the construction. Um, I've had partners where, so partners that own the property with me, and then we just kind of do, like, 50-50 everything. We try to, like, cohort management of construction and of everything. And, like, there was just so much learning because, like, thank God I just, like, I'm doing this on my own because it's very (laughs) challenging to work with, like, all different types of personalities. And, like, when you deal with large sums of money and with, you know, real estate and business in general, it's, like, a, mo- a lot of people show their dark side, mm, you know, yeah, and it, it, totally. it's a shame, because, like, you know, I, I learned, you know, before I got started that, like, you need to kind of have, like, your morals and intentions set before you end up with a lot of money. <laughs>
1: yeah, totally. You know?
0: So, yeah, I've seen that a lot. I've had a lot of I I've had, like, some really nasty things go down in, in business, but um, at the end of the day, it's like, all of it was learning experiences, and all of it was necessary to get to where I am today, right. so gratitude. Yeah, I,
1: mean, <laughs> I think, so you, you said before that you had uh, a contractor partner of some sort that I guess you were sort of learning from and, and like, shadowing to some extent. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? I know like for, for everything that I've seen and done in real estate, working with contractors can be extremely challenging because you have, like you said, a lot of different personalities, but you also have, um, you know, if you have a general contractor that you've outsourced a project to you they may have many projects and many subcontractors and sometimes money doesn't come in and there's funds and then your sub, their subcontractors aren't getting paid. They're not going to finish the job and then you kind of get stuck uh, financially. So when you first partnered with a contractor or had somebody else doing some of the work too, um, what was that like? As bad as it could have been, that's how bad it was. <laughs> so
0: one thing that I did that I'm, that I'm grateful for was I kind of always had control to an extent. So like I started the, the, the uh, my first construction company and I handled all of the payments um, and I own the property and I kind of like dealt with all of the back end stuff. Um, so to an extent, um, i I appreciated having control in that way, but um, you know, the biggest thing is how much I learned in that first like year or two, because um, like I said, there was like a lot of money stolen, a lot of like really, really like all place behind the scenes. But um it was my first experience on a on a job site, so right. like I was able to like you know, be in, like, the action mm-hmm. and take notes the entire time.
1: Right. Um, so – And you're – and you're – this is, like, your baby and your project and your, you know, you've been wanting to do this for so long. You're like a sponge at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Just kind of taking everything in, assessing, and probably yeah. delegating things in your mind, like, I'm not going to do this again. Well, and... that was
0: everything that I learned. So everything that I learned was what not to do. Right. <laughs> Yeah, what that's like, which is very useful information.
1: <laughs> totally, yeah. totally. So, so you have uh, a five-unit building. What's next? What are your What are your plans?
0: So, my
1: plans for the immediate
0: future. I'm I've recently launched an interior design company Ooh. and consulting services for other new investors. So. I teach a construction management class to uh, real estate investors in Philly. Um, And I've also recently expanded to like doing some consulting for them. So what that looks like is if someone is inquiring about a property and wants me to go look at it with them and sit down and talk numbers and talk layout and talk design and talk game plan and permitting and all of that stuff, then that's something that I do. And you know my favorite favorite part of the whole journey is designing a property and watching it come to life um and nice. that's why I've decided to kind of like more focus on that mm-hmm. um and so that's gonna be that's going to be my new baby
1: <laughs> <laughs> love it
0: yeah, so I'm really excited for that um we'll continuously um you know as i have the capital invest in more rental properties um, but yeah that'll be I'm at the point now where you know everything every everything's kind of set. I have my properties, my tenants, everybody's paying. I can kind of like i've set it and forget it to an ex, to an extent sure. um, so now I have like the opportunity of time, which mm-hmm. i'm I'm take a little bit of a shift into what I'm most passionate about, which is design.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, I think that's the goal for anybody in any in any industry when they're working for themselves or they're starting their own business. It's, you know, you get your hands dirty and you do everything. Every part of the business that needs to get done is done by you when you're starting off, right? From mm-hmm. administrative paperwork and phone calls and, you know, late nights and things like that. And then... I think the goal for everybody is after a while to just figure out what you really like, what you really want to focus your personal time and energy on and try to delegate the rest of it to somebody else or get past it so that you don't have to do the things that you've already done. Right. Right. And it,
0: and it's so important to remember that too. Cause I feel like there's like an addictive part of, you know, entrepreneurship and business and real estate that like, you know, For example, I was like, all right, so I'm not going to buy anything right now. I finally, like, I'm clearing my schedule for new opportunities, and then someone calls me, and they're like, hey, the property next door to you is for sale. And, like, instantly, (laughs) I was like, (laughs) oh! You know, so it's, like, very hard to, like, you know, kind of take a step back once you reach your goals, you know? So, like, that's why we kind of, like, set goals and, like, make a game plan, because, like, you know, what... I've been doing the last four years, you know, isn't necessarily a sustainable way to live. It's like very hard work, very stressful, very time consuming. And like some people just stay in that forever. You know, they're just like, oh, I've been developing for 20 years. I'm like, are you alive? (laughs)
1: Yeah. I know, right? (laughs) They say the first five years of being an entrepreneur is a total shit show. They, <laughs> the, the uh, you know, they, the general masses who've done it. Yeah. And I believe it because I've done it myself. And yeah, the first five years that me and anybody else that I know were in business, it was basically just like that, like a hot mess. And then you sort of figure it out. Right. And like, I think it's important to have goals. I think it's important to know exactly what it is that you're trying to accomplish and to you know, be steadfast in that, um, but I totally understand the the desire to keep in the game and to keep playing. And like, I call it a game. I don't know, if that's correct. But real estate is definitely like a game. Yeah, me. yeah. And it's hard to give up those deals if somebody's got a property next to you that comes up for sale. How flexible are you in your goals right now? If somebody oh. was like, "Hey, I got this five unit. Oh my god, I know,
0: tomorrow." And it's been so challenging to, like, because what it it ends up being is, like, setting those boundaries of, like, taking care of yourself, uh, like, taking the time to, like, do real life things, like, be a good family member and be a good partner and, like, show up for your your pets, you know, like, care for yourself and all of these things. It's, like, to, to bake away from, like, the hustle and bustle to slow down and take care is, like... A very challenging switch, right? But a very important one.
1: Do you think this uh like quarantine time has enabled you to shift and pivot into more design and consulting? Oh my god, Uh, totally. Yeah. And it's definitely some it's definitely a product of quarantine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Yep. This is this is I've like come out on the other side with like all of these ideas.
1: I love it. I love it. Well, I'm really excited to see what you're up to in the future. Um, how can uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link to. Your website or wherever you'd like to be tagged and share, of course, any design and consult information. But how would you like to be found? How do you want people to reach out to you if they're interested in your services and/or you know, shoving you deals here and there on the side? <laughs>
0: <laughs> really testing, testing me, you know. I know you can't know. say no to a good deal, <laughs> right? Right. It's hard um, to give it but I would say the. My my main focus is like Instagram, so I like post there. I always keep up to date on what I what I'm working on, what I have going on. Um, social media is really, you know, I'm I'm a true and true millennial. Yeah, <laughs> catch me on social media.
1: <laughs> hey, it's the the fastest way of sharing information with masses amount of people. So I totally get it. I'm right there with you. Yes. So uh, I am looking forward to reading more about your construction management course. I personally would love to take it. I've been on and out of construction sites for the last, oh God, I don't know, 10 years or more yeah. at this point. Um, and I've never personally managed my own construction crew, but uh, I, I'm very interested in taking that. So I'll be sure to pass it on to all of my friends and colleagues as well. And folks who are listening to the show uh, can, you know, Pull the link up on the site and and get a hold of you via Instagram. Yes, yeah, oh. it's so
0: important to like normalize women being on job sites.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, you know, this is it's I, I not necessarily a topic um, that I put a huge amount of emphasis on when I'm discussing real estate or the building industry in general. Um, but there's a huge difference, I think from having like a female perspective, right? Or just a more feminine perspective when it comes to construction. Mm -hmm. I think the general stereotype of the building industry or thinking about going onto a construction site, whether it's a house or, you know, a huge project, is there's going to be a bunch of men who spend all day with a bunch of men and are maybe slightly more aggressive than your average show walking down the street. And, you know, certain things can be, Inappropriate and vulgar, and and you know, absolutely lewd. I mean, I think I've walked on oh least, my god, at least five hundred different construction sites and that found can be like a whole pee shop. bottles everywhere, and like the <laughs> kind of things that you just wouldn't find if all women were doing.
0: Oh this. my god! And like you know, I I strongly believe that like we <laughs> women are sorry, men, <laughs> yeah, we're the future of building because what I've seen. Are the best builders, investors, and project managers that I know happen to be women. Right. So I like I don't like to gender bias, but they are to organized and more, mm-hmm. you know, creative and more you know, better leaders. These things. <laughs> yeah. <So.
1: laughs> yeah. Well, the construction industry is one that has you know, I don't know every industry and there's a lot of flaws in, in, in the world and in people and in business in general, but contractors, it's like anybody you talk to in the business says like, you know, you have to manage and like, think some, Oh, this is terrible. But I think my, one of my colleagues just said this morning is like, you know, if you're going to manage it, you basically have to have everybody by the balls the whole time, which <laughs> is, which is kind of true. You know, you have to be on top of all of your subcontractors and your scheduling and, and like all those little details, because it's part of a bigger picture that's moving a lot of moving parts all at once. And I think, you know, I don't know the science behind it, but I do know that there's uh, multiple studies that show that women are a little bit better at seeing the big picture and being able to multitask, whereas you know, men typically are not. It's like you ask them to get salt out of the cabinet, and if it's not right in front of them, <laughs> they won't find it. And I think I was listening God. to Brene Brown who said something like, it's because the way they're wired – some people are wired and, you know, they, they need specific directions to do exactly what it is that you need them to do as opposed to just figure it out when you get there. And, and I think that uh, I think I agree. I think women are better, a little bit better at it. So um, hopefully we can inspire more women to get involved in the construction industry here. Yes. In yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right well uh julia this is this has been absolutely wonderful thank you so much for coming on the show and uh i would love to uh link up with you again in real life as soon as we are able to
0: yes i (laughs) r (laughs) l someday right
1: well thank you so much i had a blast awesome thank you For more information on Brick House Builders, be sure to follow Julia on Instagram at Brick House Builders. More details will also be posted on my website at phillyproper.com. And make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple, and you can stay in touch, find out all of the development that's happening here in the city of brotherly love. Till next time, I'm Catherine Blessington. Thanks for listening to Philly Proper.